You are listening to Down Home. Episode 10, The Will to Win. Former professional basketball player Will Najuku joins us this week to talk to us about his Nova Scotian experience and his motivational speaking philosophies. Welcome to Down Home, the Nova Scotian experience from two black men. Uh, this week's episode, we have Nova Scotian sports standout Will Najuku. Uh, now, for those of our listeners that might not be into Nova Scotian sports, uh, Will, tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, uh, right now, I'm making it happen as a dad. Uh, that's my first priority. I got my three sons. I got an 11 year old boy. My, my oldest boy, Jackson, just turned 11 last a uh, few days ago. Uh, my twins are nine. Um, I'm with them. <laughs> you know, that's my, uh, that's my, that's my love. That's my focus. That's my life right now. Uh, when I'm not doing that, I'm doing my motivational speaking online and doing presentations uh, virtually. And then, I'm, you know, I just finished my bachelor of education degree, which is something my mom told me to get a long time ago. So listen to my mama. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> but again, things happen in the right time. And it's just, I can't even explain to you how the perfect timing it was for me to get my BED. I love to be teaching. I love to be in front of students. Uh, I love being in front of people as a leader, um, and I'm respected in the and as a leader. And and you know people and, and, and you know draw me in to be a leader. And um, you know it takes a lot of responsibility, but I got the broad shoulders for it. I'm all about it. Like I like to not just talk the talk, but walk the walk. Um, so yeah, just uh, just just watching my kids grow older, enjoying time with them, and 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 seeing people's lives change. Uh, around me, uh, especially in particular t- right now with COVID, it's uh, we're all sort of just sort of taking a step back and letting things happen. So uh, yeah, I'm right there with you fellas, right? You just just trying to get through the days and uh, just waiting for that, either the vaccine to, to set us free or or the sun, summer set us free. Something's yeah. gonna happen soon. Um, yeah. yeah, that's me, that's me right now in a nutshell, yeah. Yeah, cool, cool. That's um, great, man. Broad question for you. Um, what has the Black Nova Scotian experience been for you over your lifetime there? Uh, it's I really haven't had a Black Nova Scotian experience. Really? No, I haven't. I have I've had an African Nova Scotian experience, okay. right? Because you know, moving from Ghana, uh, my family's Nigerian. Moving from Ghana to Canada to to Cali Hill when I was four years old. Mm-hmm. I was isolated into 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 an environment where my family and then the Nigerian community, and so you know everything we did was through our community, and so it was still a very much an Afrocentric environment. Um, uh, you know the language that was spoken mostly in my home was was Igbo. When I went to visit my family, my friends, we got together. We were speaking Igbo. Um, English as well, mainly, uh, and so uh, the food we were eating was was fufu and, and gari and mai mai and fried plantain and curry goat. We were eating traditional African food. Um, so, to me, my experience was was an African ex- experience, um, um, especially you know, essentially right through to I started to travel. Um, Actually, until I started hooping and I started meeting some uh, 
other than you know the, the the ten, I don't know how much Jay Jones, how many black kids were at our school in Chewbacca Heights. I mean, you know, well, there might have been six, maybe six, six to twelve. Okay? Yeah, I count exactly. as two because I was so tall. Maybe that's what yeah. I'm thinking. Tony um, Marsman, um, the Skier Brothers. Yeah, right, yeah. right. So the Skier Brothers. Yeah. Um, Bobby Parsons, very, Parsons Brothers. Right. So yeah, you're looking at a dozen, fifteen at most for sure. Most, right? You're looking yeah. at that. Mm-hmm. So that, but you know, and so, um, so that was until I until I started hooping. You know, around age thirteen, I started tr- getting around. You know, the city of Halifax. I was like, oh wow, there's black people over here too. Really, over there too. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that's that's when I started to realize that there was a a broader community. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. It uh, now you, you did mention playing ball. Um, did you find that, um, that sport experience playing ball kind of broke down barriers for you? Like, um, have you experienced, um, things through playing ball that other black people probably haven't had access to? Well, yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Um, from, uh, you know, the opportunity to, the opportunity to, to, to show uh, um, blackness, uh, um, and you know, especially African blackness, um, in a in a sporting environment, uh, was was amazing because you know our, our, our my whole family everything was based on discipline and following the rules and, and respect. So when when my coaches received the same dis- respect that my parents received. So what they told me to do is exactly what I did. In the back of my mind, my mom was going to smack me in the back of the head if I didn't do it. <laughs> so yeah. I had to do what Coach Kirby said to do or Coach Gannon said to do at favorite Clayton Park minor basketball mm-hmm. uh, um, or, or, I, or else, right? So it was just ingrained into us. But we saw the fruits of that. I saw the results of being disciplined because in school, the same discipline I brought to my schoolwork, I got good grades. Mm-hmm. And and school was not a challenge. So that same thing that it kind of, it, it, it's pervasive. It just goes through your life, you know? And so when I started hooping, it was the same thing. Um, whatever the coaches told me to do, I did exactly what they told me to do. And then mm-hmm. because I did it the way they told me to do it, because they were good coaches, my skills started to, well, my, my skills were solid. I had great fundamentals. Um, so uh, it was an opportunity to show, um, I mean, African approach, maybe an Afrocentric, uh, you know, and I didn't know at the time, I'm just being a kid, but it wasn't until I started hooping and I saw other black kids and the way other black kids were in, were, were approaching life and approaching sport that I thought, okay, there's a difference. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and as a professional athlete, how was your overall uh, experience as a black person, like traveling to these different places and different countries and seeing different cultures? But, um, you know, what was it like being a black athlete in, in those environments? Well, it's not much, it's not much different from, uh, from Derek, you spent a couple of, couple of years in Australia, you, you know, you, you, you're, you're going to be, it's Australia. So, I mean, it's homogenous place. You come in there, you're, you're, you're the outlier, right? Yeah. Um, you know, it's different for you, Jay, when you, when you left, um, Halifax, went to Toronto, mm-hmm. now you're in a bigger population. There's there's more people there. You know, I look at your experiences and I think, 
there were some times where I went to a place, uh, when I went to Nigeria to visit my family, everyone was black and I fit in a little bit easier. Just like kind of Jay going to Toronto, you go to Toronto, everyone's more, there's a multicultural, you, it's easier to fit in. I know you guys talked about that, about how, you know, the challenge is always for us as black people is trying to fit in. Mm -hmm. um, would it be probably a lot difficult, more different for Derek to fit in in Australia that for the time he was there yeah. um, than it would for a white person going there. So when you think of sport, just kind of what sport does is allow me to be accepted as an athlete first mm -hmm. and then a black man second. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and so, and that's easy. That's, 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 you know, that breaks that barrier right away. So I don't have to try to, um, you know, prove anything. My, mm -hmm. my, my ability as an athlete is, is what's got me there in the first place. So they have to respect that. Mm -hmm. And then I have the opportunity for them to experience me as a human. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and, yeah. and, and then that's where the, the, that relationship starts to, to, to grow. Um, and the kind of person that you are will determine the relationships that you have with the people around you, right? So Very true. Um, whether I was in Germany or Turkey or Portugal or China or wherever I ended up and, and the things I saw, I knew that when I wasn't on the basketball court, when I wasn't with my team, I was a black guy in Istanbul. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and I know, I knew what that meant. Um, so it didn't, it just made me, uh, I had these kind of, you know, I, I understood that I couldn't, I didn't have that same level of acceptance when I stepped off the court mm -hmm. as I did when I was on it. Mm -hmm. did, did and not you... to say that was a bad thing. Yeah. You know, sometimes off the court, I was, I was, I was, I, I'm received uh, well. Um, yeah. uh, you know, hey, it's, there's, a, there's, a, I'm a human, not necessarily a black man, but there mm -hmm. were times where I was a black man before I was a human. That's for sure. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Now, um, did you find that the uh, the the preconceived notions of of blackness are a bit different? overseas than they are in North America? Did you find a difference there? It's, it's, you know, it's, it's so stereotypical. I'll give you a story. I was walking uh, in Istanbul one time and uh, in Turkey and a uh, city of fifth, I don't know, 30 million people, I don't know, 15 million people. And um, I'm walking in this place called Taksim, just enjoying my afternoon. And uh, I kind of walk around a corner and I see three or four African guys coming towards me. And so I'm like, oh, black people. So I, I, I give them that energy that we give each other um, that connects us, yeah. uh, you know, just to, you know, what's going on, what's up, give them a little nod, you know, the nod. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and they were so cold to me. And, and, and I was like, yeah, you know what, William, right now you, you, you probably dress like a foreigner, you, you, you look like an, an, someone who's, who's not African mm -hmm. um, and they consider themselves African and they see me as something other mm -hmm. um, than African. Uh, and, I, and, I, and I felt that sometimes around black people overseas until I got to know them, until they knew my last name or they started talking to me and, and you know, but that's how we are with everybody. You know, we all have these, these precincts, unfortunately, we have these preconceived notions of who someone is. And sometimes that's a good thing because it, it helps us from making mistakes and getting into situations that we, 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 we aren't ready for, we aren't equipped mm -hmm. to manage. But sometimes yeah. it, it denies us experiences that we can grow from. And, that's, and, and, and the strange thing is, 
in, in Istanbul, my two closest uh, friends outside of the team were two Nigerian guys. Right. Uh, one guy played in the Division Two, and uh, one guy was just a local hustler. <laughs> he was just a dude I met in the street one time, yeah. and that was my homeboy. Like he got anything I needed, CDs, music, anything, any, you know, all the stuff that a brother needs when he's, you know, he's he's thousands of miles from home. This cat would get it for me. His name is George. I'll never forget him. So, it, you know, that one experience with those cats that where I didn't make that connection didn't ruin it for me. I just knew that I can make a connection somewhere else. And I think we, you know, that's why I remember that no matter what country I was in, not everyone was going to be all about me. Uh, mm -hmm. um, whether uh, I'm on the court or off the court, um, but it's it's my willingness to be open uh, to receive um, and to give when the time comes. Mm -hmm. Well said. Now, um, as a as a former professional black athlete, uh, what's changed for you since retiring? Has your experience in basketball has that led you to other things? Did you? <laughs> Obviously, it was life-changing because you've seen a lot of things and you played for a long time and it was your life for a long, long time. Like, I remember you when you were, you know, you were just a kid, right? Mm. Um, now, did that sort of uh, give you a stepping stone for other things you wanted to achieve after your playing career was over? Uh, yeah, I mean, perspective. Really, you know, what those experiences uh, gave me was was perspective, right? Mm -hmm. it, it's one thing to talk about, um you know, the the black experience in the United States through slavery and and you know and and and, and all the crops that we we our, our ancestors like you know had to work with and cotton and all and, and tobacco. But you know, I was in China one time and, and we were getting on a train to go from one place to another. And I remember getting on the train and and I fell asleep and I woke up and I was like looked out the window, I thought, whoa. When did it snow? I asked my, and I looked the other side of the train. I'm like, fellas, when did it snow? They're like, they said, what are you talking about? I said, when did it? And I looked a little harder, cotton. Oh. oh my goodness. As far as your eye could see this way, as far as your eye could see that way, cotton. And for the first time, you know, instead of hearing about cotton fields, I saw them. And I was able to imagine, I was able to my, immerse myself as a, as a worker, as a slave in a huge, vast field of cotton where everything you see is white mm -hmm. and working under the sun day after day after day. Those experiences really taught me perspective. Um, uh, you know, you know, being in, um, you know, being denied access uh, um, in, in, a, in a, to go into a bar in Belgium, um, you know, because of color of my skin, that taught me perspective. Um, mm -hmm. But being welcomed into the into the home of a, of, a, of a family when I was in Germany, uh, was, was the mom was German, the dad's French, and I was like their son. That taught me perspective too. That's what is really I got from my basketball experience. That's what I, I, I received from traveling down uh, a highway to go play uh, a game with you know I'm playing in, in Argentina, the national team we have an opportunity to play a game, but every day we go to this arena, we drive by this, this, this community of, of, of shacks um, where people are, there's mud, there's mud, there's, there's, there's some light, there's no running water. And I'm wearing like Nike gear top to the bottom thinking I'm so cool. And every single day I see people just struggling, you know? And that didn't, that never was never lost on me. 
Mm-hmm. So the human experience was something that I really was able to, to, to capture and realize that there's so many things that, that, that bind us, so many more things that bind us, and so few things that really, really you know, divide us. Um, and so now as an adult, that perspective has shaped everything I do, everything I say, how I feel, how I respond, um, because the world to me is so small. Mm-hmm. so small right mm-hmm. it's such a small place and we have you know uh, we have a lot to share with each other and, and, and so my appreciation for the humanity and in, in every individual that I meet is un, an unlike most people um, and perhaps uh, and that's why I like to feel like I'm, I'm, I'm an approachable person which lends to being a motivational speaker which lends to being a teacher which lends to being doing what I do now which is I train young athletes um, basketball players to um, get the fundamentals right. You know, fun, the mental, right? You don't get the mental part down. You ain't gonna have any fun. Yeah. Uh, keep handing that into them. And uh, yeah. so, you know, traveling as an athlete and playing ball and failing, succeeding. You know, all those things are shaped. Uh, will shape us. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't really think about that when we're. You know, you guys are walking down down um, leaving Cornwallis Baptist Church, and the first time you guys met each other, Derek gave you the cut eye. I've got the kind of <laughs> from people too. You know what I mean? People yeah. just don't, aren't ready to accept you for who you are. But um, right. those, 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 you know, those, those wins and losses in all the arenas of life—they make you grow. Yeah, right? they do a Very lot true. for you. So, I mean, that basically lends itself to the next question: Is what uh, advice would you give to a young athlete coming up now? You know, probably just that. But it seems you're. I love the fact that you're really taking your experiences and trying to instill that in them as well, you know, especially on the mental side. Mm. I, maybe I just answered your own question. I don't know. <laughs> uh, well, no, I mean, there's, there's, um, I think, I think now uh, with so much gratification coming instantly, mm-hmm. right. You guys remember how we used to record songs on the radio? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> We'd be holding that, waiting to hit that button just, just before the, the DJ was, you know what I mean? Like we're, yeah. you know, we're of yeah. that culture where we, we're super patient. You know what I mean? Like we didn't have, we didn't have computers. Uh, we wrote everything out. Um, uh, we, we didn't have um, instant access to information. We had to go to the library and read. We had to wait. If you missed that, sh- if you missed the episode of the Dukes of Hazard the night before, <laughs> yeah. Sanford and Sons, <laughs> right? If yeah. if you if you if you missed uh, 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 a different world, uh, different strokes. If you missed an episode, you were not going to see that episode. That was it. You had yeah. to live with that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and when people came to school the next day, and we're talking about it. You were hot. <laughs> but at the same so time. True. You, you know what I'm saying? Like you remember that, it, but at the same time, you're happy because you were able to get that information. Yeah. And and what I find our generation, especially during the pandemic, is our generation is so used to being patient. We're so used to having these moments of of emptiness and quiet and mm-hmm. waiting um, that I really you know hope that the our gener- the generation of kids that are going through this now are learning that. And, and understanding how much you can grow in silence, mm-hmm. <laughs> how much you can grow while you're waiting for something to happen. And, um, and understand that, like, you know, uh, circumstances like this, this is a traumatic experience for all of us. 
but from this, as it stretches us in so many ways, mentally, physically, spiritually, socially, as it stretches us in so many different ways, that, that stretch is, although maybe uncomfortable at first, every really uncomfortable stretch we take always finishes with that moment of, ah, feeling better. Yeah. And yeah. I really, you know, so I suppose the advice I would give the young people is be willing to be stretched, be willing to be a little bit uncomfortable um, in the moment and, and, and not cons be concerned what other people think or how many likes or you're going to get on the gram or whoever or whatever. Um, but just be in the moment and know that, the, you know, the moment what it's happening to you is actually happening for you. And in the end, it's going to it's going to grow you. Yes. Awesome. Tell, tell us a little bit uh, about your endeavor into uh, motivational speaking. Like, uh, you know, tell us what you're into, what it involves. Yeah. Give you give yourself a plug. Oh uh, well, you know what? I, I, it's 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 uh, it started it started out. Uh, uh, I, you know, I, I had had an idea way back in the uh, when I was uh, uh, one of the coaches at the St. Mary's basketball camps, right uh, down in the south end there, and. You know, I always ended up with the young kids. I always got the five, six-year-olds, right? And no one else had that kind of patience. Um, and uh, we had a lot of fun. Like we were, we were the kids. Like people, people were looking at our end, and they'd be like, "Oh, the kids, the five and six-year-olds are, are just." We were having so much fun. And I remember just thinking, like back then, I was like, you know what? If I was ever to do something like this again, I would do it, but I would call it "Will to Win." I mean, I was nineteen years old. Ten years later. Um, here I am working. Um, oh, I'm up on Hammond Plains, Hammond's Plains Road. There's a school just before you turn to Pock Walk Road. It yeah. is Hammond's Plains Elementary. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just before you turn to Pock Walk to go to Pastor Leonard's church where I got married at. Um, I was volunteering in that. In, in, well, was, was I volunteering? I didn't know. I was coaching um, Monday nights. Monday night after Monday night after Monday night. And I was talking to kids using that perspective that we just spoke of that was gained mm -hmm. from all the traveling I'd done. And uh, one of the teachers really enjoyed the way I communicated with the, with the kids. And she, sorry, one of the parents who turned out to be a teacher pulled me aside and said, can you come to my class and talk to my kids the way you're talking to these kids here? So when I did that for her, she loved it. And I thought, wait a minute. Well, what's business? Business is when you solve a problem for someone else and you receive a reward, right? That's, and if it's financial, then that's business. Rewards aren't always financial. Um, uh, you know, and that's one thing about when you're a motivational speaker, you get paid to go in and, you know, as I, so before I get, so I did that, I, I tried to seek more opportunities to get in front of audiences, mm -hmm. bigger audiences. So instead of speaking to a class, it would be the whole school. And then I just started developing my story and, you know, reading, you know, following other speakers. And I invested in, in a, in a speaker's uh, college and received some information and, try to you know shape my 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 marketing um in a certain way in a certain direction mm -hmm. and then started to draw in uh to be drawn into some opportunities um and then uh you know last week i spoke i did three or four online presentations to some schools in nova scotia i you know there's a group in alberta right now that's working with me to to you know to 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 get out there one of my buddies in uh, is in china I, i'm putting something together oh, sorry in korea Putting something together to, to to do something online for them, um, but but the, the the reason why I I you know the, the motivational speaking thing is I think works for me is because it's me, mm -hmm. it's not some random 
story of trying to make it to up to Mount Everest and I get the base camp and I want to tell everybody how I didn't make it to Everest. Yeah. My story is about my life. Um, and I have a legit, you know, a, a philosophy that I, that I, I live by. It's not something that I just talk about and then walk away from, you know, when you put the ball in the basket, you know, you have to set your feet, right. Then you got to aim high then you got to follow through every day. Well, mm -hmm. guess what? That's how you achieve any goal in life. You set your feet by getting a foundation in your education. You aim high by having a vision, a goal that you can achieve as long as you believe in yourself. You fall through by having that determination to miss that shot, get that rebound. Miss that shot, get that, get back up, bounce back mm -hmm. from adversity, persevere. And then every day you take a step towards, you do something, you have a habit, you have a practice, something towards, you, you, you improve yourself to work so you can achieve that goal. And set your feet, aim high, fall through every day, spell safe. So I call the action plan safe. And mm -hmm. it's like an armor. So, mm -hmm. you know, when you have that mentality, when you're, when you're, when, when you're led, I'm, I, when I teach, when I speak to audiences and I, and I ask them to lead with that action plan, there's four questions that they're asking themselves. One, when you set your feet, you're saying, well, who am I willing to be? What is the truth of my experience? Two, you know, aiming high is about where am I willing to go? Y'all know there's some places we shouldn't go when we were kids. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you still did it, right? Yeah. It, it, it oh, did, yeah. And we learn from it, right? We learn from it. Even as adults, we're, we're going, some, some people be going some places they shouldn't be going. Yeah. But uh, then the thir third thing is, well, well, what are you willing to accept? And, and this is where it's it for us as black men, we, we, we get into this identity thing and like, how much of this can I take? Um, how much, you know, how much people are going to accept me just because I'm a human as opposed to being black, right? And what are we willing to accept also is about tolerance. How much, how much are we willing to tolerate in our lives um, the, the things that advance us and the, and the things that hold us back? The things that increases, the things that decreases, and others. How willing are how willing are we to accept being idle while other people suffer? Mm -hmm. How willing are we to to let things happen to us and do nothing about it? Um, that's the this you know when you when the follow through part of life is is the hard part. The follow through factor is that's what that's what uh, when I talk about momentum, that's where in the moment you have to be, you know your body, your mind, your spirit, you got to be with it. You, you got to be as whole as you possibly can. So when it's time to fall through, you can make it happen. Not to say that you're going to succeed. You're probably going to fail, but knowing that when you fail, you're going to fail forward and the failure isn't final. And yeah. the final thing question is, you know, every day, what are you willing to do right now? Not tomorrow, not next week. Yes, it's important to have these short-term, long-term goals, but what are you doing right now? to help you achieve your your goal so based on that philosophy um i feel like you know whether i'm speaking to an association of financial aid advisors or kindergarten kids they get it um because you know you know the victory isn't always measured by the scoreboard mm. and i tell people like you know it's important that we win and winning means different things to all of us Mm -hmm. But if we fuel our will, then we win every time, no matter what the outcome is. And mm -hmm. so that's the foundation of what I do with my will to win program. And that's the, and so the, 
the the victory I get or the reward I get is the transformation I see in the individuals and the groups that I work with. Um, mm-hmm. That's that's priceless. Awesome. Yeah. That well, is awesome. Good words to live by, to be honest. That's uh, that's a good foundation for your uh, motivational speaking. It's a good foundation to live by. Uh, Will, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. This is uh, this has been awesome. It's been a few years. I think the last time I saw you, you were kicking our butts in junior high. <laughs> but, uh, hey, did you have Nathan Thompson on your team, though? Yeah, I did actually. At Oxford, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I played. I played. I I left Oxford, but I did, I was with. I went to Bloomfield. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had I played with. I also went to St. Joe's, so I had. Uh, Listen, Tracy, I know your story, bro. Tracy Williams. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Tracy Williams, right? Tracy Williams, yeah. Tracy Williams. Yeah, he he couldn't shake you, man. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, Tracy couldn't shake me. I mean, you get, you know, in, in junior high, right? You know, I I started I started grade seven. I was I was about five nine in grade seven. Yeah, which is tall, man. When I when I finished when I left when I grade nine I was six five. Jeez. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh man. So you know you know no one really had a chance. Yeah. <laughs> All right, but you know, but everyone, I, 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 we're winning games, we're competing, but y'all don't know how sore I was every night. My groin pains, my elbows, my knees, oh, I was shaking sure, huh? all the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah, some bad groin pains. So I, yeah, I got my licks too. Yeah, yeah. Sure. take us out, man. Take us out. Yeah. Okay, thanks so much, Will, for uh, sharing a bit of your story, your philosophy. Um, how you're motivating young kids, younger generations coming up. It's important work, and it's good to see that, um, you know, in the things yeah. that you do, you're a great role model. You know what I mean? So yeah, uh, I just great. want to thank you for that. And uh, much love, and uh, it's good to see you. Hey, hey, guys, it was great to be on the show, Jay. Uh, it's been a long time. You know, yeah. grow, you growing up in Klein Heights, me growing up in Cowboy Hill. And, yeah. Uh, like that, that member of the, you know, Klein Heights kids were this kind of kids and Cloway Hill kids were this kind of kids. And oh yeah. Oh it's yeah. It's crazy how we divided each other because of that, because, because of Cowboy Hill Road. Yeah. It would have been free for all. So it would have been, everybody would have been, would have, would have been everybody, right? Everything yeah. like Lauren Hill, everything would have been everything. Right. Yeah, for sure. And the one thing, the one thing I love about that time was, um, we always used to, we, you know, of course we picked on each other because we were from different neighborhoods, but um, we always kind of got together and played sports, you know, mm-hmm. whether it was up uh, at Chibucto Heights on the field or, you know, in some tennis court playing street hockey mm-hmm. or whatever it was always. And, you know, and then we brought our competitiveness out of each other because we, yeah. it would be Klein Heights versus Cali Hill and, yeah. you know, uh spry field would come into play and it the evolution went on because i remember having i was a pretty good break dancer back in the day when yes, i was a young kid. Break. that's my guy <laughs> and, right uh, there i mean, like we used, to, we used to get everyone together and have break dance contests when you know hip-hop was starting to happen mm-hmm. on the gravel right out there on the field in chibucta heights so we always came together yeah. uh no matter that and all that other stuff was just trivial anyway it was just sort of territorial kind of thing but uh it was a beautiful time and i remember uh, a lot of good people you know it was you know it was interesting for sure yeah well listen you break dance i remember that because uh, <laughs> i was like fascinated right because I, I i i had two left feet 
my 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 siblings would make fun of me because I could, I couldn't like they were like they, they do the I couldn't do nothing no cabbage patch no run nothing I was just yeah. my body was growing too much this way for me to do anything this way yeah and, yeah uh, for sure and you know for we used sure. to spend a lot of time on the on the hill up there in uh in the playground in Shibuk the Heights yeah and you're right we played we played football we played baseball we rode our bikes around we played in the woods mm -hmm. a lot um, yeah for hockey, sure right. We, yeah, we all yeah. Be right. And the weekends came. It was no longer Cowboy Hill or Klein Heights. Yeah. Uh, it was just us kids having a good time. I and mean, we grew up in a really good neighborhood. Like we we had it, we had it, we had although there were no basketball hoops. When you think about that, there were no basketball hoops. No, there <laughs> you, weren't. You, no. you think you think Derek, you know, you 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 growing up in the North End, like there's hoops everywhere, you know. There were hoops everywhere. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. No, no, yeah. if you, you you had to be careful the times of day that you went to those uh <laughs> and they were all outside mostly and the yeah. one down by the square you can only go certain times though <laughs> yeah. but it was not uh appropriate for young kids to go in, in, anywhere near close to sundown yeah, yeah and those were some of the things that i didn't experience um yeah. you know growing up in cowboy hill and then moving into the even going and in, moving into the pubs over there by uh by bears row that's where I, I moved there when i was 12 i lived there yeah. until i went to university and mm -hmm. so we up in the pubs, we could go to that basketball court all whenever we wanted. It was it was safe. Mm -hmm. It was a great place to grow up. Um, although it was public housing, like we all were in the same social socioeconomic class. Mm -hmm. But because of that, there was no there was no fighting. There was no, you know, yeah. there was none of this, you're better than me. I'm, you know, we all kind of had the same kind of lifestyle. Yeah. Um, and that's where I really first started to experience like more black people and 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 getting around and understanding like outside of the afrocentric black yeah um into the indigenous black um you know from from people who've been there for hundreds of years um mm -hmm. and so yeah and then you know like you guys talking about going to high school i went to the west i went from you know i went to a, a junior high that was predominantly white to yeah. an elementary school that was predominantly white to a junior high that was predominantly white to a high school that was predominantly white yeah, yeah. Uh, at halifax west where you guys were able you know when you know, moving into Queen Elizabeth and Hell and St. Pat's, um, it's not as you know. There was a little bit more of a of a coming together of the different classes yeah. and the different races. Yeah. Although you were there's diversity for sure. There's more diversity. You guys are still minorities. I know you said yeah, that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there's still challenges that came with that. But you know, it wasn't really until I started to hoop and 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 get into these teams and started to travel and go to Toronto and play on the national team. I started to to see you know different types of black people as opposed to. Um, the different pockets that were in Halifax. Mm. One question I wanted to ask you: uh, Why did your family choose Nova Scotia to, when when they came to Canada? That's a good question. Um, my dad actually uh, was really successful in Ghana and the work that he was doing, and he was able to to um, come to Canada. He went on a trip to Canada, and he was able to visit Newfoundland and Nova Scotia. And he was I originally was going to move to Ontario, um, but his best friend had had just recently settled in uh, Halifax. And so that's how we ended up in, in Halifax. And then because Halifax had, you know, the universities here, my dad was, you know, wanted to, to further his education. That's main, the main reason how, reason why we ended up in, in Halifax otherwise. Mm -hmm. And we could have ended up in the North End. We all, my dad, the first place my parents were looking at for us to move was, was Mulgrave Park. Right. We could have ended up growing up in the park, but I think my dad went down there and took a look at the area. and. <laughs> Between the park and, 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 and Cowie Hill, you see the park on the hill, right? So we, we, 
We ended up yeah. on, uh, on the hill, and that's because I needed to see Jay Jones breakdance. That's why. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's all, yeah. it's all connected. It's all connected. Breaking new ground. Breaking new ground. You have been listening to Down Home. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. The song Breaking New Ground from The Breakdown. On a high plateau from the one down below to the future of the funk getting lost in.